The Holy Spirit is given to us for so many things. The advocate, he's the counselor, he's the helper. The Holy Spirit helps us know and understand the wonderful things that God has already given us in Christ. The Holy Spirit, God, very God. I love the Holy Spirit, yes? He wrote a great book, you should read it. The Holy Spirit imparts the life of God to us. It's already in us and he helps impart it. The Holy Spirit catches us up to speed on what's already happened. He's just opening our mind to understand what's already happened in Christ. There's one aspect of the Holy Spirit's work that I think gets overlooked. It certainly got overlooked in my life. And that's what I wanna spend a few minutes unpacking for you this morning. And I call it the sin-killing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit was given to you that you might kill sin, then put it to death in your life? Wait a second, I thought sin was dead. It is dead on the cross and it's both and, and I must by the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. It's both and. The Holy Spirit is given to us for this reason. One of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit and I do not want us to miss it. I am reading a fantastic book by an old Puritan theologian from way, 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 way back in the day uh, named John Owen. And his famous quote is, you must always be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You must always be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And so to start off, um, think about with me what Jesus did on the cross. Let's start there with Jesus and then let's go into what then he's calling us and what responsibility he puts on us. Jesus saved us. Now you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There is a both and, there's a cooperation. We don't earn anything. He's earned it all, but we do have an obligation, the scriptures say, and I wanna unpack that so we're not afraid of that word. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter two to start off there. What a great gospel um, scripture this is. Put it, on your, put it on your refrigerator. 1 Peter chapter two, starting in verse 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats and said he entrusted himself to one who judges justly, Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we can go to heaven? No, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Heaven is the fruit of that. But it's so here and now we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. This is what Jesus did for you and for me. He carried our sins in his body on the wood. The word is the wood on the tree here. It actually physically, he carried it to the cross and he bore it so that we might die once and for all to sins and we might live for righteousness. Yea, God, thank you for what you did. But that's not it. There's more. It's good. Go with me, if you would, to Romans. Take a left to Romans chapter 8. Paul so wisely unpacks this for us. He says in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 3, for what the law was 
powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Hebrews 7 says the law was weak and useless. Not that it was worthless, it was useless. It didn't help us change. The law was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus was the offering for sin. Yes, gospel message. So good, so true. And so when he did that, he condemned sin in the flesh. Because look up to verse one. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is condemnation for sin in the flesh though. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? So that we could go to heaven? No, look at verse four. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. What Jesus did for us was he opened the door for us to live the righteous life God was calling us to live. Be holy as I am holy. Here's the law. I can't do it. I can't even keep a few of those. You're right. That's the whole point. He did it. He is righteousness. He is holiness. Now you live in him. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Go with me to verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, it's a reality right now, your body and mine, we're wasting away. We're subject to death in this body because of what Grandpa Adam and Grandma Eve did. Even though that's true, the Spirit, it's also true, is giving life right now because of righteousness. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. Inwardly, I'm being renewed. What? day by day. Both and. Then you get to verse 12. Therefore, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you have to stop and ask, what's it there for? <laughs> therefore, because of what I just said, because of what Christ did, listen to me, Paul says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are debtors or we have an obligation, but you don't have an obligation to the flesh to live according to that. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Our obligation is to live according to the Spirit. That's our duty. That's our call. For if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The crux of what I want to say to you is right there in that verse. Look at, the, look at the five conditions and the points in verse 13. The condition, if, it's a big if. If you do, if you die, then you will live at the end of that verse. But it's an if. It's contingent on your response. He's talking to believers here. We're not talking about eternal life. You'll live. Yeah, that's true. We're talking about life in the promised land, in the life of Christ Jesus right now. The resurrected, ruling and reigning life of the Spirit in this world today. If, number two, what are the means? What are the means that he gives us to put this to death, the sin? It's by the Spirit. If, by the Spirit, you, you thirdly, who are we talking about? You put to death. You is y'all. It's you and me, believers. It's those who have been raised with Christ Jesus. Fourthly, what's your duty? What's your obligation? You put to death 
the misdeeds of the body. And what's the promise? Fifthly, you'll live. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body or mortify the misdeeds of the flesh, you will live. If death, then life. It's the choice in front of us. So, Jesus took our sins that we might no longer live in sin, but we would live for righteousness. But wait a second. I still struggle with unrighteousness and I struggle with sin. What do we do now? And so, John Owen, again, says it's our duty to be killing sin on a daily basis or else sin will be killing us on a daily basis. If you haven't noticed, Jesus said, take up your cross daily. It's not annually. Sometimes I wish it was. He didn't say take up your cross one time. He said, take up your cross daily. If you haven't noticed, you need it daily. Every hour sometimes I need you. I, I'm, I'm constantly in need of Jesus Christ. As you received him as Lord, so walk in him. That's the Christian life. So walk through me with these, through these five steps. Hang with me for just a moment here. The condition, the connection between death and life, if you put to death, then you will live. It's the same condition for taking up your cross. If you'll deny yourself, if you'll put yourself to death, then you'll live. There's no other way. There's no other way to live the fruitful, abundant Christian life unless you're putting to death sin by the Spirit. If you have a headache, and I say, if you take this aspirin and put it into your body, your headache will lift away. It's as simple as that. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the you'll live. I want to live an abundant Christian life. Put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Very simple. Number two, by the Spirit. Paul tells the Galatians in chapter three of Galatians, what you started by the Spirit, you're foolish to think of you can complete in the flesh. You can't do it. You started defeating sin in the spirit. Don't shift gears and go into the flesh. Because look, if you substitute the spirit putting sin to death in you for your own self-righteousness, putting sin to death in you, you become a Pharisee. If your own self-effort, if you trying to work harder at stopping to sin is your MO, you'll fail every time. And as one who has failed a million times at this, I can tell you it will not work. And if you do succeed for a little bit, you turn into a self-righteous Pharisee, which is worse. No, no, it's only the spirit. Owen says, self-righteousness is the soul and substance of all false religion in the world. Don't mistake the work of the spirit for your work. You do it, but you do it via the Holy Spirit. You say no to sin and yes to God via the Holy Spirit, not your own willpower. You do not do it. C.S. Lewis says this, that human history, as we call it, all that we call human history, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. That's really sin. The full quote in Christianity is, all that we call human history, money, 
poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, and slavery is the long and terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. It's hard to distill history in one sentence, but C.S. Lewis manages to do it. Really, sin is just trying something other than God that will satisfy me. That's all it is. And so, when I am feeling the death that sin ushers in with it, as a believer, you know how it is to feel death in your spirit? When you turn to the weak and worthless things, like Paul tells the Galatians, why turn to that? Did it ever do you any good back in the day? Why go back to it now? It's so foolish. When we do it, what do we do? We have an advocate with the Father. You don't have to sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. What do we do? We acknowledge our sin. We confess our sin. We turn or we repent. We change our mind from what we thought would make us happy. We turn back to the lover of our souls and the fountain of all delight and pleasure. And then we receive life. How do we do that? By the Spirit. Here's a practical help for you. How do you fight, guys, the battle with the Jezebel spirit coming at you every day? The lust of the flesh and the temptation to turn on the screen at midnight. How do you fight it? What do you do? Well, the Bible says we use the sword of the spirit. And so one of the scriptures that I use to fight this is in 1 Thessalonians 4.8, where he talks about You're not made for lust. You're not made for impurity like the pagans who do not know God. He says, you're actually made to live a holy life. And look what he says at the the very end of that passage. It is God who gives you his spirit. The very reason the Holy Spirit was given to us, one of the main reasons, is so that we can fight this battle of lust. God does not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Verse eight, therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And so what I say is, Holy Spirit, thank you that you've been given. Thank you for helping me fight this battle. I wanna take my affection for a created being on the screen and shift that to my affection for the creator because it's simply a worship disorder. I don't want to worship what God made, that body God made. I want to worship the maker of that body. And I fight with that. How do I fight a lack of contentment? I grabbed a verse for you to fight that. How do you fight a lack of contentment? Well, Hebrews 13 says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I'm not content with what I have. My house, my job, my family, my car, my station in life. And so I take the sword of the spirit and I say, thank you in Jesus' name for what I have. And I'm hacking away at uncontentment. And I say, the Lord is my helper. He will give me everything I need in Christ Jesus. What can man do to me? I thank you that you'll never leave me or forsake me. And I fight back with the sword of the spirit. How can I fight anxiety? Well, 1 Peter 5 
says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I thank you in this anxious moment, Lord, that you care for me, and I fight back with the sword of the Spirit. I'm using the Spirit to put death, to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. I have anxiety. That's a sin in my life. And so I say, Thank you, God, that you'll never, ever leave me. You're caring for me right now. And I feel it lift and I push back. I promise you, you don't have to do this long. You submit to God, you resist the devil, he must flee. You don't have to do this long before you're set free. But it takes a warfare mentality. I've got multiple other examples, but you get the idea. Psalms chapter 56, when I'm feeling tempted to fear and the spirit of fear is on me, I say, Psalms 56, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Oh God, whose word I praise and God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I will not fear because God is for me. By the spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Thirdly, the type of person, it's believers. Look with me in Colossians chapter three real quick to see who he's talking to, just so you know you're in good company here. Colossians chapter three, since then you have been raised with Christ. Y'all, he's talking to people who have been raised. Set your hearts on things above. Number verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse three, for you died and your life is now hidden. So you were raised with Christ. You died with Christ on that cross. And then look in verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. That's you guys. You were raised with him. You died with him and you will appear with him in glory. But look what he says next. Y'all people, you Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. What type of person puts this to death? Well, believers, this is who puts this to death. That's you and me. Fourthly, what is the obligation? What's the duty? What's the call daily to mortify sin in the body? If you think about your body, I know this is a little weird, but if you think with me for a moment as your body is a robot, it's kind of helpful because robots and all the sci-fi movies are made to be servants for their masters. Iron Man, right? The robots serving Robert Downey Jr. So robots, it's, it's like they're made to be slaves. Your body's a robot, essentially. It's way more than that. Bear with me for a moment. Your body is made as an instrument and it's either an instrument to sin and unrighteousness or an instrument unto righteousness and the glory of God. Either way, you're doing something in slavery. Either way, you're a slave. You just gotta decide who you're a slave to. And so the body as an instrument, Romans 6, 19 says, once you offered your bodies as slaves to impurity, which leads to wickedness, now you offer your bodies as slaves to righteousness, which ends up in holiness. Good robot, bad robot. So we're called to kill the body of sin. So when you kill someone, think with me for a moment, you're taking away their strength, their vigor, their power, their ability to make decisions, to put forth any actions of their own. The body's power is taken away by the spirit. Again, 
on Christ's cross, death was defeated 2,000 years ago. Sin was defeated 2,000 years ago. Once in an instant, Romans 6, 6, your old self was crucified with him. One and done. But now my cross is my daily death to self. Death to sin once, death to self every day until I die. And this death to self is a process. It's carried out in degrees unto completion until we see him in glory. Romans 6, 11, 13. So now I count myself dead to sin, but alive in God. I don't let sin reign in my mortal body so I obey its desires. And I don't offer any more of my parts to unrighteousness. It's both ends. And we're all caught in this struggle every day. Lastly, the promise is you will live. Again, this is the final connection between if, then. If you put to death the sin in the body, then you will live. It's more than just eternal life. It's life right now. So there's joy and peace and rest and comfort in life lived in his finished work under the shadow of his wings. Psalm 16, there's fullness of joy in your presence and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah, buddy. That was incredible. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing, John 6. When we put sin to death in our body, we're actually making more room for his life and his power to be manifested through us. As he increases, we decrease. As we decrease, he increases. So I want to plead with you guys to, to not lose track of what the Holy Spirit is helping you with on a daily basis. He's helping you. He's convicting you. He's drawing. Eric Loss was going to share a word with us this morning um, about the Holy Spirit helping us in our weaknesses and bringing us into a place that's broad and free. He's sick today. He couldn't make it. So I'm kind of piggybacking off what he and I prayed about this week. But the Holy Spirit is helping us and his commands are not burdensome. But listen to me, if you would, just lastly here. Don't neglect the prompting of the Holy Spirit to put it to death, whatever that is to whatever it is, because I promise you there's glory on the other side for you. I promise you, as you said, we sang, what moves his heart? What does move his heart? Casting our gaze on him, looking away from ourselves and on him. Obedience, Jason Walker said that last week or the week before. When we obey, it moves his heart. When we're humble, it moves his heart. When we say no to sin and yes to something greater than sin, to Jesus, then it moves his heart. And he's undone when we do that. So we grow in grace by degree here. And I believe the Lord is doing that in this season. And I just want to sow that into you guys. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Thank you guys. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this good day. Thank you for your word. You send forth your word and you heal us, Lord. Heal our minds. Heal our emotions, Lord. I pray, Father, for everyone in this room. I'm asking for all of us, Lord, to say yes to the sin-killing work that the Holy Spirit is prompting in us even now. And whatever it is that you're after, whatever it is that you've got your finger on in each heart right now, I pray just for a simple response to drag it out into the light if that's what is necessary.
to confess it, to acknowledge it, to turn, just to receive fresh life. We wanna grow in this grace, Lord. We want your life to be manifested in a more full way through us, Lord. So anything that's got its hooks in us, Lord, I'm asking for that to be released in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in holiness and purity of heart before you, God. I thank you for your finished work, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done. And one of the things, guys, Eric wanted to say to us, I'm just remembering now, Jesus isn't standing there saying, stop sinning, I'm so frustrated that you won't stop. He's saying, I want so much more for you than that. Come be with me. You give that up, you get more of me in your life. I want you so bad. That's killing you. It's not satisfying you. It's an empty cistern. Just come to me. So his call and the Holy Spirit's call is not with the big stick saying, you better. He's saying, I want so much goodness for you. I want so much joy for you. And the enemy's just stealing and killing and destroying. So Lord, I pray that we would hear no condemnation, but we'd hear your loving call for us to go deeper into you and higher, Lord. So bless these saints this week, Lord. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Blessings, guys. Blessings over your week.